This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 90 Nation or visit windownation.com. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. You're listening to BGN Radio. For me to have the opportunity to be in front of these fans, to give everything that I had, that meant the world to me. And the reason why I'm emotional right now is because of the amount of um, letters I've gotten with people being buried, buried, buried in my uniform. That's a special connection. That's a special connection. It is episode number 235 as we are recording live, live, live from the WIP studios here in lovely uh, Philadelphia at 400 Market Street. We have, uh, I got to tell you, I know that there's a lot of folks who are saying like, hey, what, uh, what's what's the holdup here? You know, it's been it's been a little bit past the draft. We want the wrap up show. Well, this is what it's going to be all about. Unfortunately, I think for all of us, one, we were uh, dead tired with the exhaustion because we had so much fun at the draft. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure both me and BLG and James actually all lost our voices with doing whatever it was, the uh, the uh, 24 hours worth of straight programming there. Uh, but we had, a, we had a ton of fun, BLG, and uh, I, I don't know, what was, uh, what was your thoughts on the experience of the draft there, bud? Oh, it was really fun. I was glad to see everyone who came out. You know, I really appreciate everyone who came out to the, uh, the BGN Radio tent and everything. It was awesome getting to meet everyone. Uh, a lot of our readers came out. That was great. Uh, yeah, definitely lost my voice. Could not even go on day three because I I just couldn't even talk and yeah. I was so beat. And even till yesterday, I think like today I woke up and I finally felt fine again. Man, I mean, for as much fun as it was, it was just it took a lot out of us. So I hope you guys appreciate everything because <laughs> we put everything into it. Yeah, absolutely, and it was uh, we would uh, do it again in a heartbeat. And pretty sure it's going to end up here uh, next year as well. Every everybody seems really happy. And positive about it. And uh, Tehran, what was uh, what was? How did you feel down there, man? You were with us for for the big uh, big day one night. It was feels it was pretty awesome to be a part of that. Yeah, it was great, man. You know, you really got to get a firm 
grip on how many people really actually listen to this podcast. Yeah. I mean, so many people came up and I was really happy with obviously them recognizing you guys, but the fact that they recognized me too, that was really cool. And <laughs> yeah. I appreciate everybody that came up and said what's up. You know, um, <clears throat> couldn't come back the second day and the third day I had to go to the facility. And it was actually to my benefit, man. My allergies were tearing me up just like they are right now, Yeah, you know, when I was there. But it was a great event, man. No, no arrest. You know, I don't recall seeing any fights. And there's yeah. no reason why that should not be back here uh, next year because, I mean, it, just the energy level just on that first day. I couldn't imagine how the place blew up when Sidney Jones was the pick. Oh, man. I knew yeah. that had to have been crazy. I was dancing out of my seat. I was literally <laughs> – I still, still think it's on video, literally just you know <laughs> going around and being like, oh, my God, this is uh, that is that is amazing. I'm sure we'll get into that as well too. But, yeah, just uh, just echoing what uh, these two guys have said, it was I, – I was blown away by how many people – you know, some folks wanted us to sign stuff, which I thought yeah. was really cool and – Trust me, it felt really weird for me because, like, you know, realize we're just dudes here. Like, we're just we're the same as you. We're just uh, chit chatting and doing all that stuff. But everybody that came down, I know there's, you know, Carrie uh, came down from Seattle, uh, Craig in Cincinnati, uh, Stephen League just flew up for the night from Florida to come hang awesome. out with us and and come back. And he was rocking that beautiful Pro Bowl Fletcher Cox jersey and buying us beers. Dan Glick, I know was was out there. There's a, a ton yeah. of others that stopped by. And Teron wasn't kidding with the pollen, man. That was yeah. like that was caked on. That was <laughs> layer after layer, day after day. There was uh, there was a lot of pollen going on there, but it was beautiful. Uh, thanks for, to everyone that stopped by. And obviously, if you weren't there uh, listening and watching the coverage, I think it was uh, the thing that blew my mind the most was somebody sent us a comment said, "Hey, I was on my way back to Mexico." Uh, and you guys saved me because there was no other draft coverage that I could get on the plane Wi-Fi, uh, but we were listening to the show there the whole way, and it ended just as I landed. So I, was, I thought that was that was pretty cool as well. So again, the the reason why we were at the draft was because of you guys. There is no other reason why. Like you got us to this this spot, and we appreciate it. So the more and more that you can go in again, the five star ratings go a long way. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. And tune in, and of course, if you want to want that bonus content, which trust me, this month as we're getting into the off season, tons of bonus content on the Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash BGN Radio. We're going to have an Eagle After Dark, which is going to go into all the. We're going to we're going to go big time. Pull pull the curtain, uh, be, uh, behind there with all the uh, behind the scenes draft stuff and share some good stories. But with that being said. Uh, I want to introduce uh, the uh, the czar of the playbook himself, who is not just on the phone this time. This is this is something we teased two weeks ago. He's finally in studio. It's the it's, this chair is breaking the same way it did with Aaron Jones when we had him in studio. It is Mr. Uh, the one and only Mr. Emery Hunt. What's going on, pal? I'm doing fine, man. I appreciate you guys having me in studio, and and because I was about to go on autopilot and say, oh, thank you for having me on, but I'm here. <laughs> yes, exactly. So there's there's no phone issues and. As we said, the Wentz Wars might start tonight uh, between uh, us and Emory, and maybe we'll find a happy middle. That's that's the uh, hopefully that's the goal by the end of the offseason that we can all get there. But Brandon, let's start with the Eagles draft. I think there's a lot of different folks that have broken this thing down a, a couple of different ways, but I, I think we haven't had an answer to the question yet. Here, has this draft helped Carson Wentz in your opinion? I think you look at it in the sense of, oh, the Eagles didn't get a running back. I think that's one of the biggest complaints about this draft, and that still really bothered me because <laughs> that's really honestly like the main thing I was looking for out of this draft. I know they needed to address the cornerback positions. I know they needed to get help elsewhere, but I really just wanted a running back. Just after watching last year and seeing Carson Wentz having to throw the ball 
60 times a game at one point and second most pass attempts of any rookie ever. I just, I hated seeing that. I know obviously you trade up to get Carson Wentz. So it's not like you're going to go to a run heavy offense all of a sudden, but still you need to get him more help. Uh, we'll see what the Eagles do there. So that was a big criticism for me. But outside of that, I mean, I can't say they did a terrible job of helping him. I mean, they needed deep threats. They got Mac Collins and and Shelton Gibson, who are some of the best receivers in college history in terms of yards per reception. I mean, those two guys are big play guys. And and just looking at Mac Collins, I mean, that dude's six four. I mean, that's that's awesome to get Carson Wentz a guy with size like that. Um, and then you could always go into the angle of that the defense helps the offense too. And the Eagles obviously did uh, a lot of addressing of the defense with Derek Barnett and Sidney Jones, who probably won't and shouldn't play. We'll talk about that more, I, yeah. I suppose, uh, until next year. And then Razul Douglas, who can start right away. Did they help him out like a ton right away? I mean, I don't, I don't really think it's like, oh, it would be. I don't think it's to the level of, hey, they got Dalvin Cook or hey, they got Christian McCaffrey and and Corey Davis or something like that. But I, you know, I, I don't think they neglected him by any means. Yeah, I don't think they did either, Teron. But at the same time, I think the most thing that we were still talking about in March is. The addition of Jeffrey and and possibly Torrey Smith is where that's going to help Carson Wentz the most. Uh, you and I are big fans of of the Pumphrey pick, and mm-hmm. we think that's going to be great. And I, it's just weird to me that you know are they trying to let Wendell Smallwood run with this thing, or do you think that there's a veteran running back that's going to come in here eventually? Well, that's the thing. We say that they didn't get a running back, and I, I think they got a running back. It's just not the style of running back, the type of running back that everybody thought they would get. And me personally, when I look at a Donnell Pumphrey, well, I call him DJ, you know, DJ Pumphrey, when I look at him, I see a guy who makes the game easier for Carson Wentz. Because you could throw that three-yard pass. You could throw that ball behind the line of scrimmage on a screen, and he'll take it 40 to 50 yards for you. That's what he brings to the table. Make no mistake about it, nothing helped Carson Wentz more than Alshon Jeffrey. And I really am looking to see if that acquisition, you know, a guy that's open even when he's covered, I'm looking to see if that's going to make Carson Wentz let it fly a little bit more. And uh, at the same time, you know, you want a guy who could carry the ball frequently, but I think Wendell Smallwood is the guy in a combination with, you know, Darren Sproles, with uh, Donnell Pumphrey. You know, I think those guys as as a unit will be the, the running the running game. And, and Smallwood, if you watch the Steelers game, he has 17 carries, 79 yards. You saw him be able to settle into that type of role of a guy that could, you know, be a rhythmic type of runner. You know, you, you give him the ball, you feed him the rock over a couple of series, and you let him settle into a groove, and that's what he did when they were in the process of putting the game away. So I think Smallwood's capable. I'm not saying he's a thousand yard back, but I think he's very capable. And when you change your pace with Pumphrey and Sproles, and then at the same time, the short passing game is the running game in your prototypical West Coast offense. So I think they did what they had to do to allow Wentz to get rid of that ball quickly but get bonus yards because of the guys who their yards have to catch. And I know some people are excited about the, the Corey Clement uh, you know, signing there, we'll too, with, with Wisconsin. I, I mean, I, again, it's kind of the, the up and down with, with his career, too. I saw him a lot of Wisconsin. Uh, you know, it's sure. I, I understand. It was like, well, there's your third down back, and I kind of want to make every kind of <laughs> pump the brakes on that one, too. I think he's, again, one of those specialist guys that you can throw on there on – you know those those third and inches and you know third and twos and third and threes. It doesn't mean he can't uh, break a couple of plays here and there, but I just don't see him as an every down back here either. Emery, I wanted to ask you about 
Mac Hollins, because I, I don't, I think Teron and I are kind of th- thrown off by it a little bit. At least where they got him in the fourth round, yeah. uh, a lot of it's projection. I understand that but when they lead and they say, "Oh, this guy's an elite special teamer," that always makes me go, "Ah, oh, God!" You know, like, <laughs> you know. And there's a there was a lot of corners on the board. There was again a lot of running backs that I thought the Eagles fans would have liked there. What do you make of that selection? That's the nice personality trait of. The NFL draft. Oh, he's a great special teamer. That's like saying a young, you know, whoever has a nice personality before you mention how they look. So <laughs> I just think that that was the only part of the Eagles draft that I really questioned yeah. because he is known for his special teams exploits, but he's not productive catching the football. And I, I believe if you want to go receiver and, you know, there's a ton of guys, Billy Brown out of Shepard, whom the Eagles ended up getting as an undrafted free agent, was a better option than Mac Holland. So, but they still ended up getting the guy in Shepherd uh, from Shepherd, but uh, that's the question because you don't bring in a guy specifically for special teams mm-hmm. in the fourth round. I yep. still think that's a premier pick. That's the biggest question I have. But they made up for it by getting Shelton Gibson later, who I think is an outstanding uh, receiver. Yeah, and it, it's weird to me that even like a guy like um, you know Isaiah Ford, who is who is seventh I, I, round, yeah, man, it's crazy. It's, it's insane that he went that late. I would think more. I was like, oh well, that's a perfect spot for a fourth round guy. You know, is tall and lengthy, and again, a, a great playmaker in, at Virginia Tech. And it's I don't know. It's just this is one of those things where I guess as Eagles fans, you got to go, okay, Joe Douglas. I guess you know what you're doing. Here you go. Well, they did it last I mean, not they, but the Browns did it last year when they took Ricardo Lewis, who wasn't that good at Auburn, over a guy they took later who was prolific in Rashad Higgins. So we'll we'll see how that – but they, they said the same thing. Oh, well, Lewis provides great special teams, uh, and you need that. Um, uh, yeah, you do need it, but not in the fourth round. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's, what, that's exactly what the seventh and the, the, the UDFAs are for, at least I thought heard. Flyers like that, yeah. It's, it was it was kind of interesting there, BLG. And I don't, I do. Do you think you get the sense from most people that I don't know? That's where it. I, I, how much should we really worry about uh, those those day three picks there, BLG? Um, I think one common theme throughout the whole draft, and I guess applying it to those guys too. What's interesting here is the Eagles seem to value instead of necessarily top flight athleticism. You talk about spark and all of that stuff. Um, which it seems like they were especially big fans of in the past, especially when Chip Kelly was here. It seemed like this draft seems to lean more towards players who were very productive in college in terms of mm-hmm. statistically. We saw that with Derek Barnett. Um, you know, Russell, or not, Russell Douglas uh, had eight interceptions last year. Uh, Pumphrey, obviously, uh, his production over four years was incredible. So I think that's kind of interesting. I think that's an interesting uh, theme that I don't know if they went with that on purpose or if that's how they shook out. It could be just a coincidence. So when you look at some of those day three picks, maybe that was the theme there too. Um, I, I think with Hollins, I know Howie Roseman specifically said that you know this is a guy we believe in on offense. Now you can you can determine if you like him on offense or not, but they they did say that. I don't think they're only looking at him as that special teams guy, although. You know, if if here, let's think about it this way. If Dave Phipp, uh, if we can give him anything, that guy who's done an amazing job with the Eagles special teams, I think at the least we can throw him a bone and give him a player he likes. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I just don't know if, in, uh, just like Emery was alluding to, I don't know if the fourth round's uh, that that type of thing where you can give that to him. And I, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't think he was going to get drafted uh, for very much uh, for a lot longer in the draft. But I guess we'll we'll never find that out. Hopefully that kind of pans out. Also, BLG, interesting that that was one of the guys that Carson Wentz had worked out on. And then I started thinking a little bit more about, like, 
man, I, I like how much say does he really have in, in some of these guys? Like, was it a combination of FIP and then Wentz confirming, like, yeah, I really like throwing to this guy and we have a good relationship? And you think any of that went into it? Well, it was Gibson, too. They they also worked out together. They were one of the uh, the players on that list of, I think it was like eight or nine receivers or so that worked out with Carson Wentz. I can't believe that he's the one in the war room or anything making the decision. And about the Mac Collins thing, one thing about that real quick. I mean, you can take this for what it's worth, but Adam Kaplan did say that he was going to be drafted in like round three or something. If, if the injury didn't happen again, you can take that for what it's worth, but uh, there was some talk out there about that. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But it's, I I, I don't know. I just does uh, Toronto. Does this look like Doug has any say at all in the in this draft at all? It, I mean, like I I obviously he's not on the outside. He knows what's going on, but I don't I don't see him his input anywhere in this draft. Am I reading that wrong? I think the uh, DJ Pomfrey pick is an example of his input because you look at when he was in Kansas City, he had a guy in uh, DeAnthony Thomas who. You know, they didn't get the ball enough, but you know they had a guy with with similar talent. So I think it definitely had a, a role. His his opinion, because he's someone that likes to get creative and get guys the ball in different ways in which DJ Pumphrey can excel. So I think he had pool. I know you know you had the article which him on the side, Peterson on the side, supposedly not being a a, a, a true. Truly involved, but oh, was that the Sealski thing? Yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, it, look, <laughs> no, no disrespect to Mike because he's a nice guy and all. Yeah, but you he's know, had my, a couple of whoppers this offseason. My thing with that is, okay, all season we only heard from Doug Peterson. We didn't hear from Howie and Joe Douglas, right? So does that mean they weren't involved? There's a time and place for everything. Right now is not the time exactly for uh, for for Coach Peterson to talk. You look at the Ravens when they announced Marlon Humphrey. Harbaugh wasn't even. <laughs> oh, yeah, he wasn't there. You know, you had Dean Pease and you had Chris Hewitt, their their defensive coordinator, and of course their uh, defensive backs coach. So it's you know take it for what it's worth. But I, I think the one pick is is Pumphrey. I think that was the one. Um, you could also say the opposite in that Sidney Jones pick because oh, I know yeah. me personally, if I was a coach and if I was Doug Peterson, excuse me. Hey, I, look, <laughs> I like that, but yeah. my future can be established this year, you know. So that's one of those picks that is a, a projection type of pick. Now, mind you, Sidney Jones, you know, I was one of the early guys to have uno. him as the number one mm-hmm. corner. So I'm not saying it's a bad pick, but I don't, I don't know for sure that that coincides with his current security. That's Doug Peterson. Emery, let's talk about that for a second because there's still a long debate going on, and it's been happening for the last, like, week or so now. Uh, well, we're not even a week from the, from that day, so that's that's not true, but it, uh, it feels like that. Uh, Sidney Jones and that selection there, you know, we've we've in this town we've made fun of the Cowboys a lot for taking you know those so getting those extra first round picks in the second round or those those steals going on there. In uh, in historically numbers wise, it's not really great for guys to get redshirted in their first year and then you know try and continue on. Do you think Sidney Jones is was a good pick there in the second round? And I know we're all not doctors, but what's your sense on his return this season, next season, wherever you see it? And that's the tough part because it's it's a lot of what you will project the lower leg injuries to someone that whose game is predicated on speed, quickness, and change of direction. That's all your Achilles. And so I haven't had an Achilles injury. I can tell you about ACLs and stuff like that. But to me, it sounds like an Achilles used to be a career ender. Mm-hmm. And so now people are expecting the guy to come back by training camp. I think that's a stretch. So you may not see him until maybe week six or seven or something like that. So 
in in the second round, was he good enough to say, okay, we need to take this guy in the second round? Me personally, I think he was kind of okay. He was. I know Teron believes he was the, the the best corner in his class, but I would if if I'm picking a corner in the second round, if he's not in my opinion or my eyes the top corner, then I would probably take someone that can help me now, like like they alluded to uh, with you know someone that can help your job security now. So I, I like the fact that he's a talented player. Maybe he can utilize this time off to not only just rehab his Achilles, but get stronger, physically stronger, because that's one of the parts I had questioned about his game. He used to get bumped off routes a little mm-hmm. bit. He used to get out-muscled a little bit within the routes. So if he can get stronger while he's recouping or recovering from this uh, Achilles, then yes, it makes sense. But they double down by helping that position out by going Rasul Douglas. So it's almost like they realize what they've done, what they've done, and what they're going to face as far as scrutiny. So let's double down by getting someone that can play now to keep people's attention away from Sidney Jones as he slowly started to get back to what he was. And BLG, I know that, like, you know, my initial reaction to the whole thing, and by the way, it was the worst tease in probably radio and television history <laughs> made, made by BLG because we were like, hey, what's the picture? Oh, it's Sidney Jones. I was like, wait, wait, hold on. We need to tease that. Hold on. Let's do that again. Uh, and I think, you know, from initial excitement and everybody, I mean, like, I couldn't believe that eagle's nest that was all around there. You know, they were fired up singing the, the fight song, and even Rich Eisen was getting into it. Mike Mayock, all those guys were like, oh, my God, this is this is great. And, I, and again, it's kind of that – all those things we were talking about, BLG, with the illusion of the steel, you know, with with Mixon mm. and with Sidney Jones and with all these different guys that happen kind of year after year. Uh, you played cooler in a good way, I think, and there is – look, there's a, there's a big downside to this as well. Do you still feel that way? I, it's not that even I, I, I'm sitting here and thinking like, oh, this isn't going to work out. I just, I see some people, I feel like, I guess that reaction to me, it's not only, no, I get it's at the draft. So I'm not saying people shouldn't have fun. Like if you want to do that, I'm not blaming anyone, but like at the point where it's after it now. And I think just seeing some of the comments on, on BGN or on Twitter and everything, it just feels like some assume, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but just from what I'm getting the sense of is that people are just assuming like, all right. You know, he's going to be out for a year and then he's going to be fine. Or they see that timeline of like four to six months, which has been thrown out there by Dr. James Andrews. And they're like, oh, he's going to be fine. And I just I'm skeptical because, first of all, when you see timelines like that and they're being released from the doctor who performed the operation, it's not like the doctor is going to be like, oh, well, I, I really botched this surgery and he's never going to play again. So, <laughs> yes. I mean, like they're yeah. always going to be more optimistic uh, than than like <laughs> than you would. Uh, they're not going to be really pessimistic ever um so that's something to consider and the other part is again it just comes down to uh there's a lot of assumption i feel like in just in the the fact that he might be healthy and a lot of people point to jason peters recovering recovering from an achilles injury and at an older age and that is very true but also jason peters doesn't have to sprint down the field with a fast wide receiver every play for his entire career so i just i'm a little skeptical i i hope like Hell, it works out. I think Sidney Jones seems like a great kid. Uh, I really want him to be healthy. Obviously, it'd be great for the Eagles if he is. I'm just not going to sit here and think it's like a guarantee, though. That's my whole point. Yeah, nothing is guaranteed, that's for sure, even if he was healthy. But my thing is, I'll point to a 37-year-old receiver that tore his ACL and came back and and played pretty well, and that's Steve Smith Sr. last year. So it's, it's give or take. You know, it depends on how each person's body heals. You do have to also account, uh, take into account just the fact that it's a higher 
tear. So it's not right there on the main stretch point where you're you're clicking and closing as a as a defensive back or just change of direction as a uh, an athlete. Period. So I think that's something to look at. And there have been cases where, especially with how how this whole science of of healing the body is now. I mean, guys tear their ACLs and they come back with it being even stronger. Oh yeah, you know, uh, guys tear their Achilles and it comes back even stronger. So it 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 really is going to be up to you know having faith in in this medical staff here, you know, and obviously the guys who who laid the foundation in doing the surgery, and then the guy who took over to do his rehab. I, I think he's going to be able to come back. I'm not expecting anything from him this year, to be honest with you, because I mean, even just not playing period, and, and being healthy and starting to play again. It, it's hard to get back in that groove. So he may come out, you know, and, and not be the, the best guy that he could be. But that's why when, when Emery was talking about taking his time off to get strong physically, I pointed to the mind because you got to get your mind right. Keep your mind right. Yeah. Because especially as a cornerback, one like Sidney Jones, you know, who's not used to getting beat. You get beat, you have to be able to brush that thing aside and come back. That's one of the things I loved about Jalen Mills is that dude got, look, I like Jalen, but he got beat. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. But he came back and just kept going at it, and I think that Bears game is the best example. Alshon caught him on a double move, but he came back and he continued to compete. So, really yeah, for the last for, two quarters that game, I don't yeah, remember anything it, going through. So. Exactly. After the first half, I think it was like 42 yards, you know, he had uh, – uh, Total, yeah, it not yeah. just against uh, Jalen Mills. But I think Jones is going to be all right, and it, it's really going to come down to his recovery. I talked to the guy that was training with him, um, Brent Calloway, and this was before the injury, but Brent told me you know, that he was really, really high on him. He compared him actually – physically and work ethic-wise to Marcus Peters. So that's yet another you know, reason yeah. where people compare, you know, obviously the ball skills, they do that also. But, you know, I, I, I'm high on Sidney Jones, so naturally I'm going to be a little more optimistic than others because he's a prospect that I really liked, you know, but I think he'll be fine. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, and what you're, you know, both of you guys have already mentioned already. Like, it's already extremely hard to come in as a rookie, focus on the playbook, know your spots, Get, uh, adapting to that higher level of competition that's already there, meeting up with those veterans. So if you can just focus on rehabbing and getting that straight first for an entire year, then coming back fresh, OTAs, training camp, get the full kind of gamut as you're learning along in your playbook and doing things while you're while that's going on. I yeah, I don't I don't see any reason other than some wild possibility that they're freaking you know really rolling and they're desperate for cornerbacks and he says he's healthy and they want to throw him out there. Uh, that's fine, Emery. I also want to get your take because I was. I'm a I'm a big fan of of Razul Douglas. I think I think that was a great selection, especially for this particular scheme in particular, uh, because of and we'll get to Derek Barnett in a little bit. But now with this pass rushing rotation, uh, he gives you that extra second, and that's all he's about. You know, he gives you that punch, and then you know he's not the most savvy guy in the world. He's not the biggest ball hawk in the world, but he really plays press very well. I thought it was a great selection of the third round. I thought so too and I, I've seen Rasul Douglas progress into what you've seen now back when I was doing some scouting at Nassau Community College and that particular game they played Georgia Military College who at the time had the top Juco running back in the country and Javon Robinson who played at Auburn. If you guys remember he got kicked off the team uh, with the issue with his girlfriend who then said he she lied but he was already at Valdosta State now but in that particular game um, they locked up Rasul Douglas on the number one receiver for Georgia Military. And I forgot which school he ended up going to, 
But that guy locked him up the entire game, and the one time they decided to throw at him, it was an interception. <laughs> and so that's the type of guy I, re- I remember writing in my notes, like this guy is going to be a star from day one. He signed with West Virginia, which just made all the sense in the world because of their, what, three three five that they run, and him playing off coverage, allowing him to read and react and make a play on the ball. We saw that come to fruition this year when he, what, led the, the nation in picks? Eight, eight intercepts. Eight intercepts, and so – now, some people may say he can't play press, but that's not true. You just have to go back further enough to watch this film mm-hmm. of him doing it. And that coming here and being that guy that can play press, that that can play with length, that can play off, that can react and make a play on the ball and not drop interceptions, mm-hmm. that's huge. That's why I thought it was a huge pick, and I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it. That's one of the things I wanted to say, and I've said in, in, in numerous occasions where I was asked about him, is he turns the football over. And that that in itself, and BLG kind of alluded to it earlier, that's going to help Carson Wentz because that's going to give him more opportunities. Not only Wentz, the offense, period. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Rasul Douglas, I remember him at the Senior Bowl. Now, granted, uh, I think it was Zay Jones got him a couple times, but Zay Jones was getting everybody. But you saw him use his longer arms and be disruptive at the line of scrimmage to give the pass rush an extra second or two like you mentioned, yeah. John, and that's what you need. And then the thing that I really like, I went back and I watched um, the Oklahoma game and I saw him going against D.D. Westbrook and, and it was it was cool watching him because there were most of the time he was playing off but when he was there on the line of scrimmage, a lot of hand fighting. He, did, he, yeah. he didn't give, it was hand fighting later in the route. Yep. You know, he let him yep. get that release but the thing was, it was conserving energy. D.D. Westbrook released outside. Oh, you know what? I got another defender in the sideline, so he just rolled him out of bounds. And the quarterback, uh, 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 Connor, uh, was it Mayfair, Mayfield? He didn't even look his way because he eliminated him from the route. And this is this is D.D. Westbrook, so it's not a bum, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I think he's fully capable. You just have to be careful when you're making these projections because you. you and I'm talking about as as an analyst with my yes, quotation yeah. marks mm-hmm. around it because you have to understand the scheme that they're in, right? As Emory said, he was mostly asked to play off the ball and make a play on the ball, which played to his strengths. You think a defensive coordinator like Jim Schwartz isn't going to do the same thing that <laughs> yeah, he of course, allowed yeah. him to lead the nation? So, you know, every scheme can be adjusted, and I think that's what they're going to do. And even when they want him to play, man, he'll be able to do it in my book. And people don't understand the fact that you can press without touching somebody. Yes. It's all about mirroring and then redirecting them in that way and still getting the desired result. So I can be up in your face – and I could jump quickly to your inside, force you to go outside, trust my athleticism to run with you, and then pin you to the sideline. And I didn't even have to touch you. And yeah. so a lot of times people think, okay, press means put a hand on a guy. No, press just means I'm in your face and redirecting you and disrupting the time of the play. And that's what he's, you know, excels at. And that's what's yeah. that's what's fantastic about his game. And BLG, this is what I keep coming back to here is like I, I, we're having the Sidney Jones debate. We're like, and that's going to go on forever. You know, that's probably going to leak into December and January when, well, you know, I mean, in my opinion, the Eagles are probably out of business here. But I, hopefully I'm wrong on that. Um, the one thing that I don't think we, we've talked about enough is that the Eagles love Jalen Mills. Absolutely love him. So that maybe theirs is that kind of, I mean, not a comfort level probably for all of us that are sitting in this room here, but, uh, you know, do you think that plays into it huge that he can be CB2 or even CB1 to start off this year 
And that's why that was the decision that they made here. Are we giving not enough credit to Jalen Mills' potential in the second year? I definitely think Jalen Mills is a big factor in this secondary, even if you don't believe in him, as not just you, John, but that you in general. Um, I think the team definitely is high in him. We saw Malcolm Jenkins talk about that. I think it was only a couple of days mm-hmm. there before the draft last week. Um, he said he really believes Jalen Mills is going to have a breakout season for the Eagles this year. And that wasn't just Jenkins kind of being asked about Mills. You know, you, you see that all the time when a certain coach or a certain player is asked about someone. Of course, they're going to say nice things. That's just how it works. But this was a, a situation where Malcolm Jenkins kept bringing up Jalen Mills multiple times. And you saw it last year throughout the season. Jim Schwartz really liked Jalen Mills. And, and there's a reason why. He loves that kind of cornerback. And we know this by now who has that kind of aggression and he plays with that that kind of mentality and that physicality. And I think it's in part because Jim Schwartz, you know, it all obviously all starts up front with the defensive line and the pass rush and all of that. He wants to force those quarterbacks into mistakes. And from there, he wants cornerbacks who can jump on these routes and make plays. He doesn't want guys who are just going to sit back there and play sound coverage all the time. I'm not saying that's the worst thing in the world, but I think that's why Jim Schwartz liked a guy like my boy Leotis McKelvin so much because <laughs> because even though um, uh, he wouldn't be always sound and sometimes he would he would jump a route like he did in the Falcons game and he got burned deep uh, there would be plays too where he's going to jump a play and, and get the interception and be aggressive and I think Jim Schwartz will live with those kind of guys who are aggressive and they might give up a play here and there sure but they're going to make that big play at some point point. and that's the thing too it's just it's not that hard to you know we've said it a million times it's not that hard to be better than what the secondary has been for the last seven years let's just be honest not just last year for the last seven years this has been really hard to tackle down so if both of these guys, if it, I mean, it more than likely is going to be Mills and Douglas on the outside starting week one. If again, if they can get you that extra second, then that's where Derek Barnett really comes into play here, Toronto. And that's that's the kind of thing that now it's it's been all over the map. At least for me, that was I'm still probably the most excited about that selection. I I didn't think that there was going to be uh, a chance that he would be there at 14. Thank God to the Chiefs. Thank God to everybody else that, that pulled the trigger on quarterbacks and. <laughs> the Bears, uh, but uh, I mean, just I—I I can't believe he was there, just sitting prettily and 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 there at fourteen. I love Derek Barnett here. I didn't think he was going to be there either, and that's why anytime someone asked me who they were going to take, I would say Dalvin Cook. But if Barnett's there, then hey, you know that changes. And obviously, OJ Howard was in the mix. And speaking of OJ Howard, you know, and this is something we've talked about, Emery, multiple times. Watch him block Miles Garrett. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about. You know the 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 tackle sliding and, and helping him. I'm talking about mano e mano one on one. This superb athlete, this alien that was placed upon us, was blocked one on one by a tight end. Interesting. Just to jump Do in right quick. Before, <laughs> just to jump in right quick. Not just watch O.G. Howard, who's known as the best blocker in college football. Watch Evan Ingram. One on one against Miles Garrett and watch him manhandle Miles Garrett. Hmm. I just want to jump in and give you that. And, and that's the thing. When you watch Barnett, okay, yeah, he doesn't run a four five forty. Okay, his short shuttle isn't under six. Look, you see the hands. He puts hands on somebody. Their hands are coming off him. You see the get off. We talked about it before when we were waiting downstairs. The guy could run sideways, man. 
And anybody that could get off the ball the way he does and bend the way he does to it's get to the quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Now, to the naked eye, you're just going to say, oh, he's he's just running around, guys. No, it's not just running around. Like It's not a straight-ahead race. He's getting a jump on them and bending himself and making himself harder to put hands on them, and that's making it easier for him to find his way to the quarterback. I think he's a legit prospect. There's a reason why he has 33 sacks in the SEC, and I'm not talking about against Illinois School for the Deaf and Dumb. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, I know, Emery. I know you were you were. I'm not actually sure where you were on uh, on your past rushing rankings there. So where, Yo, he was, where my, was Barnett? I'll tell you right now, Barnett was my number three uh, pass rusher, um, graded out higher than Miles Garrett. Why? Because he gets to the quarterback constantly. He was number three. I gave him a 77 grade overall. You know, Miles Garrett, I gave a 75. Uh, because Barnett does have. I like what what I like about his game the most is that he uses sort of. Uh, karate techniques as well where he's able to use your leverage against you which helps him bend which helps him lean in and accelerate to the quarterback and that's an art in itself which tells you that he really works on his game and really wants to master the technique i also know uh he he was working with chuck smith yes exactly you know and chuck smith does a great job with Mm -hmm. the i mean he was he played at tennessee he was a star at tennessee was a star with the falcons and now he's teaching these guys technical things to give them the advantage in the NFL. He was just using it at the collegiate level. And also Barnett has something that a lot of defense, that's what I look for when I look for defensive end prospects or uh, edge rushers. Do you have a sense of timing? And anytime Tennessee needed a big play, let's take, for instance, the Florida game. I think it was a third nine. They needed to make that stop to get the ball back to help complete the comeback. He got the sack. He made two plays in a row. I think he had back-to-back sack. So if you have that sense of timing knowing you're their feared pass rusher where they are going to slide protect to make sure you don't get the sack and you still get the sack. I want that dude on my team 10 times out of 10. Now, do you guys think that his, I've heard a lot this week. Do you think his ceiling is already pretty, pretty close to where it needs to be? Or does he have a lot of room to grow here? Listen, ceiling, wide walls, high ceilings, low floor, what, Throw out that one out the window. <laughs> give, it dude, give it to dude get, that can get play. The mop. <laughs> exactly. I don't throw all that out the window, man. I'm so sick of hearing high floor, high ceiling, short walls. It doesn't matter. If this guy, if especially in the NFL where we know guys coaching jobs are not longer than three years, yep. we don't have time to see if a guy. If I'm speaking like a coach, we don't have a time. We don't have time to see if a guy can reach that high ceiling or low wall. I just need you to get sacks. I just need you to do your job. And give me the guy watching film that did his job over the course of three and a half seasons at Tennessee in big ball games, being the guy, I want him. I don't care how high his if, – if you were going to get Derek Barnett that you got for three seasons in, at Tennessee, I'll take that. Yeah, and, for sure. And BLG. And he's only 20. Yeah, that's that's the other part of it too is just like he's, yeah. he's going to be 21 this summer. And I don't know. BLG, I guess what's your expectation for him as soon as he – Jumps in here. I mean, I think I think he's a starter week one. Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy, and maybe there's going to be a couple of weeks where they're going to be like, you know, Chris Long's going to be in there, and maybe Vinny Curry rotates and he gets into that rotation. But what's your expectation on his start date? Well, that's the thing, John. Even if we are projecting him to be a starter in week one, 
Uh, that's not necessarily the most meaningful thing because I, there will be a heavy rotation there. At least it would seem like. I mean, they brought in Chris Long for a reason, and he came here for a reason, and it seemed like he was kind of disappointed with his playing time with the Patriots, and it's not like he can control that completely. You know, it's ultimately up to the coaches, but it would seem that he came to the Eagles in part because he, he thought he had a good chance to play more, and uh, obviously you gave Vinnie Curry a ton of money, a ton, ton of money last year to only play 40% of the snaps, (laughs) but it's not like they're just suddenly going to phase him out of the rotation. So you're going to have those guys. Obviously, Brandon Graham's coming back too. Maybe you get him a little less snaps, Uh, not so much to take away from him because he doesn't deserve it, but just maybe so he's a little bit fresher uh, in the rotation there. I think it's going to be a heavy rotation at that spot. I mean, like again, uh, we've seen Jim Schwartz really likes to do that with those guys. He wants them to be fresh. He talks about it all the time and and I think it's a great thing because, look, last year uh, Jim Schwartz was rotating, and when that defensive or that backup defensive line was in, it would be you know Marcus Smith and Vinnie Curry, let's say, on the ends. And that, there's a big difference, I think, from having that to uh, you know Chris Long and potentially Derek Barnett as your second string defensive ends, or Der- or Long and Curry or whoever. I think you know uh, they definitely upgraded at the defensive end position this year, and I think that was a big focus. And I think Barnett, starting or not, I think will have a, a pretty decent role, pretty significant role in this team right away. Yeah, and that's what's exciting, I guess, for me is just like, you know, they're, uh, not to say that uh, everybody's pretty much said it already, but that's where it's going to work and start up front, and that makes me less anxious about these corners coming in here. And I think that's that was absolutely necessary to do because you don't want, you don't want a rookie just to be – or two if it ended up being that way to just – come in here and be like, okay, you're the main focus of the defense. I don't think that works with Schwartz's philosophy either. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited with the – I mean, the first two days, I thought they nailed this thing. I thought this was, this was great. I know it's still going to be up in the air with Sidney Jones, but I'm really happy with that. Just getting to the, the fifth and, and the sixth pick that was, that was around there. Nathan Gary, that was another strange thing that I'm just kind of like, okay – I saw you play at Nebraska as a safety. Uh, you weren't great. And now you're going to try and do this Landon Collins type of, you know, this box linebacker safety thing. I'm pretty much – he's already pretty, pretty much made my cut list here. To run, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. What are, what are, you, what are you saying with, this, uh, with that selection? I, I think he'll make the roster. But, yeah, I mean, he's not a guy like a Landon Collins or a Dayon Buchanan – you know, Landon Collins is, is is much more rangy and able to to cover more ground. Dayon Buchanan was a bigger is a bigger guy and can t- actually take on offensive linemen. So when you look at him, I think he's more going to be you know towards the bottom of the roster. He'll be a special teams guy. You know, Chris Maricos, I think he and and and, and Nathan uh, Nate Jerry will have a, a good competition. I personally take Maricos over him. Mm-hmm. You know, but one of the two are going to go because they're both in my book going to be specific specifically special teams players you do you know like the the safety that could play linebacker but my thing is if you're doing that in this division you're going against a Vernon Davis Jordan Reed oh and by the way the Giants got a guy that runs routes like a receiver in Evan Ingram so there are three and sprinkle you know and then and and you can't forget the old man who is not athletic at all but always gets open in Jason Witten too. So <laughs> you're going to have a lot of matchups. 
So I think if he's going to come in and play, he's going to get tested. I don't know that he could hold up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if he makes the roster. And uh, Emery, just curious, uh, you thoughts on that too, if you have any, and uh, just uh, Elijah Qualls from uh, from Washington wow. there, because I thought that was uh, you know with Bo Allen's situation being up in the air and. Obviously, a guy that can do uh, backflips in the air, 313 pounds, excites everybody. But what was? Uh, how did you feel about that? I, I, I mean, I, I like the player. I'm just upset because you guys already have a raising Cajun on a roster and Justin Hamilton. So I kind of <laughs> want to see him okay. get the get the start and get you know become a Pro Bowl bowler. But um, that pick made sense. The Jerry pick, I think, maybe a lot of scouts sort of watched that Wyoming game and, and got and excited. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, this guy's going to be great. And then you know. He he didn't stand out at the East West Shrine game, I don't believe. And I don't remember much of him. At exactly, all. and so I mean, that's a situation where you're on the field and you're going to watch. We we remember everybody standing out who stood out at the East West Shrine game, and I don't remember him being one of those guys. Or maybe it was the Senior Bowl, um, one of those All Star games. He didn't he didn't stand out. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? So uh, I think he's going to have an uphill battle. Um, they're hoping that he can beat out Margos. But Margos has been here. He's been familiar with the system. Um, he knows what to expect. And he's the captain of the special team. So it's kind of, you know, quote unquote. It's going to be hard to move him out. Yeah. So he may be a practice squad candidate. And what probably helps him out is the fact that they didn't bring in an undrafted free agent that he has to worry about to beat out. Because I think that's the key. Some of these other positions in the draft, the Eagles may have, you know, answered questions by bringing in some undrafted free agents mm-hmm. that I think are legit good players that can make the roster and have an impact. Jared Evans. Yeah, Jared exactly. Evans. That's a, yep, that's a good one because now you look at um, who whoever's the third string guy or maybe even Nick Foles, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a key. I think key. Matt McGloin might be pretty easy to beat up. Just oh, oh yeah. McGloin's number three? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah then McGloin. Evan's going to make the team then. Because like. <laughs> uh, we still don't have contract details with Matt McGloin, too, either. So that's a, it's a minimum. Quite, oh, it is the minimum? Thank you, BLG. Yep. So that that is uh, with that there. And BLG, any other like kind of favorite pickups from uh, – well, first of all, any takes on those guys and any other favorite picks up, pickups from the, the UDFA bin there? I think with Gary, and first of all, is it Gary? Is it Jerry? Is it Nathan? <laughs> is it Nate? Come on, man! This guy's to pick. Uh, pick pick a name something here. Yeah, let's uh, let's get something going here. But uh, I think they really. My read on that is they kind of view him as a potential Kendricks replacement. I think they want him to be their new weak side linebacker because if you look at how the Eagles used their linebackers last year, it was really only Jordan Hicks and Nigel Bradham playing most of the time. I think both of those guys had about. 95% of the snaps. I know they were both over 90. And you look at Michael Hendricks, meanwhile, and he was down at 27%. So they barely used you know, their their three-linebacker base there. I think they could view, uh, in that respect, then, Gary as a guy who kind of plays part-time, plays special teams. Uh, I, 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 who knows if Kendricks is going to be on the roster or, or Kelsey or any of these guys because they didn't trade him and we thought they might. Yeah, and BLG, but, uh, with, with that real quick, and first of all, yeah. I just have to say this. Uh, I don't know what ESPN is doing, but they're laying off pretty much everybody. It warmed my heart that Adam Kaplan came into this radio station this awesome. week after just, uh, you know, maybe maybe thumbing the nose a little bit at ESPN and coming, uh, coming over to a CBS station. I love that. <laughs> uh, and secondly, he did say that they were – uh, I mean, I interpret it as they were pretty close. He had said something along the lines of it. Uh, he thought it was going to get done between San Francisco and yeah. and Kendricks. I wonder. I mean, that obviously looks like it's off the board now after the the draft that San Francisco has had. Ruth what Foster? Yeah. yeah. What What are the What are the options now for for Michael Kendricks here? 
Well, first on that Kaplan thing, I mean, he said he literally wrote the story. He said he wrote the story yeah. that he was going to be traded, and he had mm-hmm. it ready to go, uh, just didn't go through. So it did sound like it was going to be close to there. Um, I guess it just didn't work out. I don't know where we go from here with Kendricks. Um, I, it's just when I see, when I look at that snap count and I look at the fact that they really just didn't really want to play him last year and doesn't seem like the coaching staff really likes him too much. And I would think, you know, Kendricks would even want to be traded because there's probably some team out there who's going to play him more than that. And I think he would want to kind of force the trade. And for for what it's worth, uh, Kendricks has been showing up to the team's offseason workout program so far. So he's around. Uh, same thing with Jason Kelsey. He's around, too. I really don't know what's going to happen with these guys. It seems like the team just keeps beating the drum that they're going to keep Kelsey. But then why did you sign like one of the best undrafted free agents that there was in, in the uh, the West Virginia guy, uh, Tyler, Tyler Orlowski or something like that? Um, mm. One of the highest paid undrafted free agents, I believe, too. So it's like the Eagles are still investing these resources in positions where – you're looking at a potential Kendricks replacement, maybe not now, but down the road in Gary, or potential Kelsey, not necessarily a replacement, but a backup at least with the West Virginia Center. So it's still weird to me that these guys are here, and and Dave Spadaro even wrote a column on BGN this week saying that you know they're pro- they're here, and they'll probably be here. But I mean, I just don't believe it. I still believe these guys are going to be moved at some point. But it just as we get closer to the season, you know, they're still here. <laughs> You know, me personally, if I were a GM, after seeing the things the Bears ha- have done this off season, go that, to that team. It, it, would, it would say, it would say, wifey, best friend, <laughs> and then Bears. You know, so I would just hit number three <laughs> and call the Bears. And in this case, with with Michael Kendrick, I think he's a fit there in their in their scheme. And yeah, some are going to say Danny Trevathan, and some will say Jarrell Freeman, both you know good players. But I think Kendrick's can can be just as effective as either one of them, but then at the same time, Kyle Fuller's there. I mean, They're they, they didn't him, they They're didn't done. exercise his option, and before that, you know, anytime like we said before, when you challenge somebody and say they they sat out too long or they nursed their injury too long, you're testing their manhood. Like you're doubting them as a man. So that, by all means, tells me that they're done with them. And then in addition to that, they signed about eighty corners too. So I would definitely <laughs> reach out to them, and then at the same time. The the uh, Eagles, I believe it's three three fourth round picks next year. One of which, if you know Eric Rowe plays fifty percent of snaps, one of them goes to a third, which so isn't I looking would, great right now. By man, the way. I would be right on the phone with Ryan Pace. Like, Look, man, while you got your job, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a guy with with Pro Bowl potential. You know, and I'm gonna give you a fourth round pick. Let me get Kyle Fuller off your hands, and that could be another probationary situation. And now you're looking at a trio of Kyle Fuller, Rasul Douglas, and Jalen Mills, all of which very aggressive corners. Kyle Fuller is actually the guy who I felt Sidney Jones reminded me a lot of. So mm-hmm. naturally, I'm gonna like Kyle Fuller. A couple years ago, he was my one A, one B was Bradley Roby, but. I would be on the phone trying to make that happen. Oh yeah, and uh, I, something we've wanted for a long time. It's uh, obviously Joe Douglas is probably familiar with him too. And uh, I don't, by the way, I mean, is Ryan Pace did he fire himself this draft? <laughs> you know suicide. what? <laughs> <laughs> it's suicide. I was I was ready to to bury him, but he warmed my heart by taking Tariq Cohen, the <laughs> running back from yeah. North Carolina A and T, and also taking Adam Shaheen, and also. Signing Jordan Morgan 
from cuts down the undrafted yeah. uh, free agent guard. So with that, okay, I, I give you some some. However, <laughs> that quarterback is going to bury him. Both quarterbacks are going to bury him because Glennon is going to Glennon, and then you have he's already whining by the way exactly, yeah, yeah. and then you have Trubisky coming in who doesn't deal with pressure very well, and the Bears will do the wrong thing by thinking Jordan Howard is you know. Marion Butts of Bo Jackson trying to feed him when they should be giving the ball to the undersized running back with game-breaking ability. So the running game is is not going to be what it was last year. The passing game ultimately will suffer once again because they don't have Alshon Jeffrey out there. Uh, he's now in Philly. Yeah, Ryan Pace may be on his way out because of what he did by trading up to get a guy in Trubisky. Oh yeah, and it's uh, it's it's that, and it's I mean just everything. They're giving giving away Marshall, giving away you know their whole wide, entire wide receiving core. It's it's amazing what's that. The Chicago's turning into Cleveland, which is which is great because they're close here. Uh, BLG, let's get into some questions here uh, too, and. I'm uh, I'm saving the juicy one because there's a juicy one which will definitely start the Wentz debate uh, going through here, and it has to do with this year. Our good friend Stephen Lee chiming in and says this uh, wide receiver uh, battle at tra- uh, during camp is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Who's your dark horse, BLG, to earn a spot on that 53 through there? He goes uh, that he likes Hollins a lot due to the special teams. Obviously, I think they're going to hold on to him no matter what, but uh, dark horse that's going to make the team wide receiver-wise. I don't know if there is a one because I think you're looking at one Alshon Jeffrey. I think I mean I don't think Tory Smith is a lock just because when you look at the money. I'm though I would if I had to bet I'm pretty sure he's going to make the team so I'm going to include Tory in there. Jordan Matthews, oh man, I I still don't think he's going to be on the team this year. I feel like yeah. it's going to be a trade at some point. So I guess maybe that if that if if Jordan Matthews gets out, uh, that obviously opens up a spot. But I think Collins is a lock and and Gibson is a lock. And Aguilar is probably a lock, obviously, just because you can't cut him. Right. Um, so that's five right there. Um, and then depending what happens with Jordan Matthews, I mean, maybe we're looking at Paul Turner. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Bring I, out I the yellow be, jacket already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, keep an eye unlikely. on Greg Ward. I mean, yeah. again, he's making that transition um, from quarterback to receiver. If he shows a little bit of flash at receiver or potential – there's a guy that can be vying for that final spot. Yeah, and Toronto. I, I mean, like as far as like favorites, uh, uh, that's a, that that might be a good dark horse. I would say a dark horse cut would actually be Tory Smith. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think there's a, a good potential that he might not make this team. I think it's a dark horse cut, and and the thing that I think is impressive about Howie Roseman and, and the crew, you know, Ruben Randall signing him last year was something that drew a lot of attention. You know, signing Chris Givens last year drew a lot of attention, but they were able to kind of cut their losses and get rid of both of them because they felt I thought yeah. Chris Gibbons probably should have made the roster personally yes. but you know either way they were able to you know cut their losses feel discover that they made a mistake early and and, and move on that could be what they do with Tory Smith I just I think Tory makes the roster though uh, I think he does mm-hmm. uh, I like the way this is set up for Nelson Aguilar because me personally, I've always felt that he wasn't that guy that, that you line up at X and put him on the line of scrimmage and, and ask him to run deep. I felt that he was that yak guy, the guy that you allow to work the middle of the field and, uh, you know, you get the ball and let him run after the catch. So I think he settles more into that role. We'll see, you know, where they put him. But me personally, I look at him there. Um, Jordan Matthews, man, I would hate to see him go, you know, just because uh, I got pretty cool with him, you know, in of the locker course, room yeah. and, and – and, he does have a presence. I, I was really looking forward to seeing how 
that whole wide receiver room would evolve because he was the leader of those guys. You know what I mean? So I'm curious because Alshon obviously is a very successful player. He's a veteran, but Alshon is, is a quiet quiet guy like yeah. he's not that one to come in and be like look man this is my room I'm the number one receiver here and this offense is going the passing game is going to flow through me so we'll see what happens but I, I think six guys make the roster yeah I for have sure. I have uh DGB as the guy that's probably going to be the odd man out I, oh yeah I think he's gone before uh second preseason game I think he's <laughs> I think he's like long gone I'd I'd be surprised by that and, and by the way I think there was a debate on on that between that and Torrey Smith which guys honestly not, not, not a debate worth having <laughs> at at all. Uh, so, uh, three questions here from our good friend David here, BLG. Uh, does uh, Razul start week one? Uh, does Clement uh, make the fifty three? And uh, if Tory Smith is cut uh, for two thousand eighteen, is Sheldon Gibson capable of that deep threat role? Uh, so I already forgot what number one was. So, is, is Razul going to start uh, week one? I, I would um, say absolutely. I don't. I'm not going to bet on that. I think. Uh, it could be a situation where um, Ron Brooks going Ron Brooks here. No, I'm not. I can't think of the other guy's name. Who uh, Robinson, Patrick, Robinson. Patrick Robinson could be a placeholder Good there. Lord, please, or no. it could be Brooks right away. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I'm not saying the whole season. I'm just saying week yeah. one. I wouldn't okay. bet on Douglas because of that. And then uh, what was number two? Uh, Corey Clement is he making the 53? Uh, I wouldn't bet on that. I think you know he'll be in here. They'll give him a look. I think they'll give Watson a look. I still think they're not done at running back, and that's why I would think Clement won't make it because I think they're going to add a veteran here at some point. I'm not sure who. Maybe they try to trade for someone, as we talked about earlier, kind of hinted at that. We'll see. Um, and as far as number three with Gibson, uh, I mean, I think Gibson is going to take some time. I think he's obviously really fast, and that's awesome. And I think uh, he might be able to help right away as a deep threat. But as we saw with Mr. Bryce Treggs last year, I mean, speed isn't everything coming in here. I mean, there's nuance to the game. Uh, I think he's going to take some time to develop into any kind of solid contributor with that said, I mean, Torrey Smith has been pretty bad the last couple of years, so I can't say it's like impossible that he could outperform Torrey Smith. Yeah, I uh, and you know, I, Gibson's fast. I don't, I don't necessarily call him a burner either. I think he's got deep threat ability, and then he's his game's kind of a it's a li- it's a little different. So I think I, I'm with you, BLG. I think and well, Emory, I don't know. Is is I feel like he's going to take take a little bit of time to get used to the NFL game. Well. Th- to me, the biggest thing about being a deep threat is your ability to catch the football. If they fear you catching the ball deep down the field and you're a deep threat, it's not necessarily your speed. I, because if, if that was the case, then we'd be talking about Torrey Smith as a deep no, threat when, when he's not. Yeah. Um, because you you fear a guy like that making a play. And he does a great job in tracking the ball and shrinking space. You'll see him accelerate to the ball to pull away at the last second from a defender and contort his body to make that catch. So I do think a guy like him um, – and. In this offense, if they want to go vertical with a guy that has that football speed, that tracking speed, he's definitely a deep threat. I, I like this fit here in Philly for him. Yeah, and uh, so do I. I mean, it's just like I again, uh, I was surprised that they went that they doubled up on wide receiver. It's one of the things I haven't mentioned yet, and that's what kind of makes that that camp interesting there. But um, yeah, do you think uh, Gibson's uh, Gibson's the guy here uh, to run? Yeah, I do, and obviously, you know. We go by combine four or five, but you know he's he's that guy that has the the hunger, <laughs> you know the hungry speed. What's, what's you know? he got? What's he got? 
oh, he, he, you know what he got, the DOG in him, man. <laughs> 100% he has it in him. You know, uh, I talked to Steve Smith at the Combine, and, and we were kind of going through the guys that we felt were, were the top ones. And he, he said that, you know, Shelton Gibson was one of his top guys. I, I think the Deshaun Jackson comparison is there, not because of speed, but because of just the way he tracks the football. Mm-hmm. Deshaun's ability to do that is greatly underrated. But I think it's his best watch, thing that he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, some of the the one he had it against McKelvin, where you know Ugh, to it, to reverse field like that and catch it over right the opposite it. shoulder, it's not easy to do. No. Not at all. You know. So I, I think Gibson is is a is a he's on the roster. He'll be a return guy initially, though. I think he's going to he and Aguilar compete for kickoff returns. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense there. Uh, please ask John Barchard about his hatred for Patrick Robinson. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Uh, well, the thing is, see, that's what that's what happens. I don't know if you if you know this, uh, Emery or not, but there is. Uh, oh, what was it? What's up? Listen, I'm from New Orleans and grew up a Saints fan. Oh, okay, I'm very familiar with Patrick <laughs> Robinson's ability at cornerback. Yes. So this this would be perfect because I don't. I mean, like at at best, he is the same as what was here before. At best, like. I, I have gotten into several arguments now, especially with our, our good friend here. This is the FFB Kamish, who uh, I love going back and forth with. Uh, he is not an improvement in the secondary. That's that's my initial take, and I don't think he ever will be. You already down seven nothing with Patrick Robbins starting the game. <laughs> <laughs> so your office so has to figure go. out how to get both. We got to <laughs> overcome a deficit already. See, see, it's not just me. It's not just me. Uh, which uh, BLG? Which rookie gets the most touches in 2017? Is it Hollins? Is it Pumphrey? Is it Gibson? Mm, I think it's Pumphrey just because it's easier to get him touches too because you can hand off to him. I think Mac Hollins we saw in college, um, very efficient player. I mean, obviously the yards per reception are high, and he scored 20 touchdowns on 81 receptions. That's pretty efficient, but not a volume guy by any means. And then Gibson, I expect him to kind of not be a go-to guy in the offense as much of a big play guy. So just from the, the standpoint that Pumphrey is a guy you can just hand the ball off to and you can easily – uh, find way to get him touches and in, in the passing game with short things and like that too. I think it's easily him. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the say Teron, you agree with that? Go DJ. That's my <laughs> DJ. Yeah, I'm gonna go Pumphrey, man, for sure. Yeah, I think he's I think he's like actually gonna have a pretty big role this year, Emmer. That's why I was going because yeah. I believe a lot of people are looking at Pumphrey's size and already pigeonholing him into what they're gonna do with him when we just watched him take twenty five to thirty carries a game at San Diego State. And I like the one thing I do like about this coaching staff is they're they are willing to be a little bit unconventional. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Pumphrey be the lead back mm-hmm. and still continue to use Sproles as you use Sproles as that gadget guy while Pumphrey taking some of that pressure. Because when you have two guys on the field at the same time, that extra defender has to worry about um, Sproles. Pumphrey sees a reduced box. And he's going to do what he did at San Diego State. So. If they're going to move one of the running backs, I think it's tailor-made, especially with their commitment to run the football with this offensive line. Give Pumphrey the football. Yep. Use Sproles how you always have used Sproles, and now your offense is going to be even more dynamic because you have a guy small in stature but runs big and also still has a game-breaking ability. And that's what's probably going to be my favorite thing, I guess, throughout going the season is just their, you know, Carson Wentz is there in shotgun, got both running backs by the side, and then all of a sudden – Go in motion to the left or the right, and and just watch all the linebackers just shit their pants and just go out. Ah, because we really <laughs> haven't we seen uh, Pumphrey catch the ball like Sproles, or he's not that guy right. in the passing game. 
He's a runner. Yeah, he, he just is. so happens mm-hmm. to be 110 pounds. That's he okay. Could, the thing is, he could do it. And re- remember a couple years ago, I, I was blowing your phone up. Like, yo, there's this kid. He's crazy. And it, mm-hmm. it was Pumphrey when I was when I was uh, covering the San, San, Jose, San right. Jose State versus San Diego State game for f- football game plan. And I remember they put him in the slot, and he made some things happen there. He's capable. They just didn't ask him to do that. And I asked him about that at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. And he said because he was getting the football so many times, I mean, over a thousand career carries because he was getting the ball so many times they didn't really use him in the return game as much yeah and they didn't Can't use him to. as much uh catching the football because they wanted his focus to be on running a rock which is what he does best awesome that's uh see that's that'll probably be the biggest thing i mean outside of you know the first three picks i think everybody's eyes are going to be on him uh for ota's and training camp all right emory here we go, buddy. It's, Let's go. It, it is time. This is from our good friend Stephen Walker, who is, by the way, uh, one of our one of our biggest listeners, and was there the entire time during the draft. So we we appreciate it, buddy. Got into an argument with a Browns fan over this. <laughs> who was a better prospect coming out of college? Is it Kaiser or is it Wentz? Let's Mr. get ready Emery. to rumble. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. This is this was an easy one. It was Kaiser. Here's here's why. Kaiser was the better prospect because he took an unconventional way to where he ultimately ended up being drafted in the, in the second round. Kaiser was asked as a 19-year-old to get into a game in the fourth quarter, last drive, and help and help the team win. He throws a dime down the field. They beat Virginia. They come up here. College game day, game of the week, Halloween night. Temple's Temple. defense yeah. with three what NFL draft picks? I just want to say that uh, Emory is going to destroy everybody in Philadelphia by telling the story. But go ahead, no, it's fine. <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, you have Kaiser <laughs> yeah. leading the, the 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 drive. He made, and here's the other part that I liked about him. He he made early mistakes. He threw that in, interception in the red zone, um, but he ultimately brought them back and then brought them down the field in in crunch time and through the game winning touchdown. So he is a better prospect. He does all of the things that you want a quarterback to do from. Working touchdown to check down, working intermediate, utilizing his legs to get out of trouble to also buy time. Wentz was no, I swear, Wentz was, and it's not a knock, but you didn't know the difference between Wentz and uh, Brock Jensen. And Jensen was there three years. Wentz took over. They sort of did the same things. They didn't go deep down the field as much because Jensen was a better deep ball thrower. Um, And Wentz did a lot of the short to intermediate game well. You know, your crosses, your comebacks, your uh, hitches, your slants, your seams, those passes, uh, but they were limited. They just, when they faced a team that pressed them, they got into trouble. So I think by a passing perspective from what he was asked to do and what he was able to do against multiple looks defensively, especially at the highest level, yes, he was a better prospect. So is he going to be the better prospect in the NFL? Absolutely. Oh my God. Come Absolutely. On, Emory. Here, here's the thing. Come he's he's going to, it's funny because I think he's going to come in and and this is going to make all the Browns fans mad because they are overly negative for no reason. No, you know, they had a great draft. Why, why, they why wouldn't you be? <laughs> Look at that town, man. They, right. they, they, they're upset for no reason. They had a great draft and they hate all the picks. But he's going to come in and start, and the Browns are probably going to win seven games this year. And then next year when they add a few more threats at receiver, because they're better at tight end than receiver, uh, in my opinion, because you don't sign Kenny Britt and say we got better at receiver. That's Kenny Britt. You know, so they're gonna they're gonna get the seven games, right? They're gonna win seven games. Next year they'll be competing for a playoff spot. Uh the Eagles right Man, now I can't, I can't wait to replay this. Well, the Eagles right now, here's the thing. <laughs> with, with Wentz, 
I think Wentz is going to be between a seven-game to nine-game winner by himself. You know, just so in some seasons you'll be able to get into the playoffs with nine wins. Some seasons, eight wins. Some seasons, if you're in a certain division, seven. So I do think that's his range. But I think Kaiser projecting forward has the it factor in close games that you need. We haven't seen wins do that like we saw Kaiser do it in college against Virginia, against uh, Miami, against um, Temple. Temple. You know, just going through those, hey, we need you to drive us down the field and win this game. He did it. So this is this is always the funniest thing to me is because there is no evidence of this. Clearly, Wentz can never do that. You know, that's I don't I don't get that. You know, I, sure, Kaiser's done. There's been a lot of people with college careers that have done that before in the past, and guess what? They fucking sucked in the NFL. That's true. Doesn't matter. Let's go back to week four against Detroit. Wentz had his chance, and what happened? Uh, what happened? Ryan, Ryan Matthews Matt- fumbled the fucking football. Then they lost the game, and then they threw it to Nelson Aguilar, who sucks. Sorry, nah, Teron. That, that, one, that, one, that one wasn't that one on Nelson. Oh, that one on that one go, go back. It's, go on, back. it's on both of them. It's go on back. both no, of them. No, go, the, back, go back and, 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 A, watch the play, but then also that week, look at the press conference. Wentz took, took uh, responsibility for that. Aguilar was inside him. If Wentz throws that ball up the field like was a post no is supposed to be thrown. There's no safety there. That's that's six points. And, and Regardless, now they should have been in that position anyway. No, they shouldn't because right. of the fumble. But I'm not going to say that that interception was on Aguilar. I'm not going to. I'm not going to allow that to be said. BLG chime, chime in anytime here, pal. By Aguilar being on the field, it's on him. He's awful. He's yeah. just a waste of downs and, and snaps and everything. But that's not the point. Uh, Emery, I have to ask you about this, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to put you in a tough spot here. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your analysis. You know more than I do. When it comes to the draft, you're you're way more plugged in than I am. But this is the thing that gets me. You know, I'm looking at the quarterback rankings list from last year that you had, and I see Carson Wentz 12th, and I'm like, all right, I, I Emery doesn't like Carson Wentz. All right, I think there's a I think there's probably something behind that. But it just I don't understand how we can have like Kyle Washington from Angelo State who came in to the Eagles minicamp as a tight end and didn't was never heard from again like over him at number 11 or or take Vernon Adams who some people was their number one quarterback and as got a couple tryouts I think like Washington Seattle and then again never heard from again he's playing in the CFL um and Dyne Williams from Dartmouth is number two and and Vad Lee from James Madison is number 10 so like that's so that's that's what I'm not getting here how how is Carson Wentz either this bad and especially when these other guys aren't getting chances, what's the disconnect here? Well, I'm glad you brought all of that up. <laughs> because <laughs> me, me here, too, actually. Here is the thing. All right. So before I attack that question, let me throw this out at you. The other quarterbacks that I also had above Carson Wentz that got opportunities to play in the NFL played better. So let's walk through them. And some may just be preseason. Cordell Jones had a really good preseason in Buffalo. Dak Prescott won Rookie of the Year. Cody Kessler statistically played better than Carson oh, Wentz. Oh God, you you cannot be kidding me! You're looking at so why so why if Cody Kessler is so good, when why is say, why is Kaiser going to take his spot this year? Because ultimately he was a third round graded prospect in my eyes, so there were some limitations there. So was Carson Wentz. So was Jared Goff. Now I would gladly say that I probably underestimated how scary in the pocket golf is, but I had golf rated ahead of, of Wentz. I also had um, Trayvon Boykin ahead of Wentz. Now, those guys all play well when given the opportunity to play. Vernon Adams played well in 
Montreal when he <laughs> went. It's not the NFL, man. It doesn't. It's football. He went there. Start. He got there. Started. So, so you're telling me if Vernon Adams and Carson Wentz are in the same team, that Vernon Adams is going to win that out? Absolutely. And, oh my God. But here's Emory. A, here's the oh, here's here's the reason why. And now to attack the original question he posed is that you brought up Kyle Washington, who broke every passing statistic in Division Two, and six five two fifteen. But he gets here and asks to play wide receiver. Why? I've thrown passes all my life. Why are you asking me to play wide receiver? There's a quarterback in camp now who was outstanding throwing the football in Houston mm-hmm. and now is being asked to play wide receiver. Why? If you've seen me throw the football, just because I have a little athleticism, don't move my position. You've also seen a guy in Dalen Williams go to the Bears and get released only to bring in Hoyer, Connorshaw, uh, Barkley, and some other guy. Fails. No names. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. So, and and those and to be honest, Williams had numerous CFL opportunities, but he turned it down because he told me personally mm-hmm. that it doesn't. If I go up there and ball out like I know I will, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I'm still not going to guarantee a, a shot here in the NFL. So, guys, and Bad Lee was another one. Bad Lee, I was at Giants camp, uh, mini camp, and then you know he was outstanding. They didn't bring him in. They stuck with Ryan uh, Nassib, who they ultimately realized, yo, he's trash. They cut him. So if guys aren't getting opportunities, if I'm the best three-point shooter and you bury me on the bench and I never get a chance to shoot threes, then you're going to think I'm trash. But, so, there, there's, yeah, but some, there's a think, reason no, these there, guys aren't hear, getting hear opportunities, right? Then you have guys in the league right now that have proven to be not good, You know, like your Brian Hoyers, like your Matt Castles. Like your Ryan Fitzpatrick's or your Matt Shops, guys don't get those. Certain guys don't get those. Emory, you're talking about backup positions, which 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 I totally understand it and I get that. That's that's more of a larger conversation. Well, how can you NFL's see a guy up. if if a guy is good enough to be a starter? If he, we just talked about this off air. Think about if Drew Bledsoe doesn't get hurt. Yep. Think about if Aaron Brooks, sure. uh, if if you know uh, Jeff Blake, Jeff Blake, or Mark Brunette, you know all those guys that were behind. You know if those guys don't get the opportunity to play, we will never know. And that's a lot of these quarterbacks coming out of college are not getting the opportunity to fail. And that's the biggest. But if you're grading college tape, if you if and I did I did this test last year because a lot of people wonder why I had Dale Williams number two, and you put the tape and you send it off to different people. Tell me what you see. People say Russell Wilson. NC State Russell Wilson, maybe some Wisconsin. So it was it was a, a good mix. Do NFL but if that guy that, never though? got a chance to play, then it was a problem. Sorry, VLG, I just don't think you can hear. Go ahead again, buddy. Oh, but like if that's the case and people are saying this, like why aren't NFL teams giving them another chance? Like why? And and Vin, Vernon Adams did get a chance. He was in two different mini camps, and obviously they didn't see enough out of that to to even invite him on the ninety man roster. So well, like, you, is you this a conspiracy at, from the teams or like what's going on? Vern, here? Vernon Adams was in the Redskins camp, and they ended up keeping. Um, I'm trying to. What's the quarterback from Indiana's name? Sutfield. Um, they ended up keeping Nate Sutfield. And I'll tell you Sucks. this personally, I saw both of them on the field at, at East West Shrine, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Sutfield was trying to personally eliminate the worm <laughs> population <laughs> yes. with all of the underthrows and, and terrible throws that he made. But they ended up keeping him. Why? Because he's six six, two hundred thirty. He fits the prototype. And a lot of times in, in these type of situations, what I see is, is that they fall in love with the prototype. Look, if DGB wasn't 6'5", 240 pounds, you think that he would still be around? Hell no. No, no way. And that's the thing. They fall in love with size 
but they forget our motto at football game plan, which is size is not a skill. And that's where you see teams get stuck in some of these situations. And, uh, you know, I, I think Adams should have gotten a shot, to be honest with you, with the Redskins, but he didn't. I think that Trevon Boykin, you know, being a backup who – I, look, he was my number one quarterback last year. I I, I loved watching Trevon Boykin play, and I still think he was the best quarterback from last year. Obviously, you know what happened last year won't won't back that up, but that's what I thought. So I think it's just about opportunities, and some of these guys don't fit that prototype, and they're not going to get that opportunity, unfortunately. And what I what I brought up, and and to be honest, the whole Carson Wentz thing. Uh, actually forced me to go back and reevaluate how I project these these rankings because I think a lot of people got caught up in the the uh, round grade and missed the entire video of me saying he's good on the short to intermediate passes. He struggles going deep down the field. He struggles versus pressure, all of which we saw play out over the course of the season, right? Yeah, absolutely. So and, and there and there is and I I actually didn't I don't have like uh it's not the fact that, you know, everybody's gonna have grades a lot of them are going to be right. A lot of them are going to be wrong. Right. I, I totally understand all that stuff. It's just where we're at now. And I'm representing you as mostly draft Twitter. And and, and I shouldn't because Emery's one of the good guys here. But, like, at what point do you go, okay, you know, there we were wrong. We were wrong about Carson but, Wentz. There's a lot of great NFL things in there. I mean, you – but, but again, but I'm, the, I'm talking to you now, and you're still saying if Vernon Adams is here on this Philadelphia Eagles roster – but that he could still take it over. Wins. Answer this question then: okay. What did he do last year to disprove anything I said in that video? Strengths and weaknesses. I'm sorry, strengths and areas of improvement. Nothing. And and I and and honestly, you you and I don't, I know you don't know this. I hated the trade up for him. I thought it was a disastrous. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I, I thought I thought that the, this was going to be. I was like, wow, this is. I looked at Carson as probably in the same thing. I said, okay, second, third round. Right. And, and I think that there's an opportunity to develop. I had him graded the same as Dak Prescott, as uh, Brissett, as all those guys that are going through. I have no problem with any of that. And the, I, mo- the moment he steps on the field and for the first three weeks ago, oh, I had it wrong. So so wait, timeout. And I forgot to mention Brissett, who also played well when he got on the field. I also had him yes. rated above Carson yeah, yeah. Wentz. Um, are we giving guys three weeks notice of, of best in, in – because, again – if it was week three, and here's what I said when it was happening, and people thought I was hating, but I wasn't. Those three weeks when when there were three and out, he was having success. I said he's throwing short passes. Once teams start playing up and force him to go deeper, it's going to be the same stuff we saw at North Dakota State. And that's what Detroit did, which is why he had some issues in that game. He tried to fight through it, but a lot of his placement was off because he had to make tight throws because they were close. Which is why you saw some placement passes behind him, which led to an interception. Um, not the not the interception. Yeah, the, the, it led to that interception that to lose the game. But you also saw in subsequent weeks. I was at the Packers game. I was at the Giants game. You saw him miss recoverage, not seeing drifting backers or safeties. Um, Man, Collins got that pick got the pick on him, and it was yeah, like the first Giants game. It was terrible. It was, it was, ter- was worst. Yeah, and and so it's not the, the first half. Yeah, but here's the thing. At, and I had him graded higher than Paxton Lynch, but people forget that. You know, people ignored it. I thought Paxton Lynch was not that good at all. But Wentz, to me, was an average player. And I even had Dak graded higher than him, but I had Dak, I think, maybe third or fourth round. Um, and for Dak comp, I had Alex Smith because I thought he could manage the game well. And so that would be a miss. And 
but I think a lot of people saw 12 and looked at the quarterbacks ahead of him and totally dismissed it without understanding why I had those guys up. And if you're, if I'm, they, people assume I don't watch film when that's all I do. And I'm actually, <laughs> well, at, well, that's ridiculous. Right. First of but all. I'm yeah. actually yeah, that's at not what games. I'm yeah. And I'm with you. I've been on record saying no one player is that good. So I'm never, I'm never team trade up. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I, if I can get seven players, I'm going to take seven more than two. So that's why I hate any trade up. Well, know, I, I like to trade up. I just don't. I didn't like that trade. Up. Well, because I, <laughs> I don't like giving up value picks. I feel like yeah. I can find seven starters. You know, whether if I have to go to Dartmouth or Whitener or Cheney or Penn. Sure. And so with, all of which you, except for Dartmouth, you were there today. I was there today. Mixing yeah, yeah, yeah. No you go. said it right. I gave everybody <laughs> a pump. But my whole thing with the you know the the Wentz thing, I didn't say Wentz couldn't play. I just said other guys were better. And if they go back and watch those rankings. None of those players had first-round grades. So in my eyes, Watson, Kaiser, Mahomes would all be graded higher than a lot of the guys that came out last year, in my eyes, based off what I saw. And if Wentz, was, it, Wentz played well the first, but he was only throwing checkdowns. When they challenged him, that's when things got you know into trouble for him, and that's where he has to get better. I 14 guess- touchdowns, 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and 14 fumbles, that's not a miss. He got to play better. No, and I, I'm not. I don't disagree with that. I think there's a lot of us that, that agree with that. It's just that I think where it where it floats in mostly, and this isn't your fault, is those dudes from from Football Outsiders with the air yards weapons don't don't improve a quarterback. There's a lot of wild theories out there. That I think they all have a hard, a lot us. of people have a hard problem giving guys props. If a guy, yeah. if people think uh, you know, it's, that's where people think it's personal. No, if somebody plays, you don't think someone that champions small school prospects wouldn't. Want wants to be yeah of course yeah like, yeah exactly and th- so I guess at what point what is it what will it be will it have to will it have to be you know uh, thirty six touchdowns ten interception type of season be like okay Carson Wentz is in, is is a whatever a fifteen to ten top quarterback in the NFL when he doesn't cost his team games like he did last year the Eagles were in playoff Eagles could have all he had to do was win one game in that stretch, and they go to the playoffs. They had teams beat. Teams start to force Carson Wentz to make plays, and he couldn't do it. If he's able to, to overcome that, and we've seen guys do it, obviously the the, the headline case is uh, Alex Smith. You know, when he had continuity, that's why I like the fact that they didn't make any offensive changes here. Continuity is key. They added pieces for him, and I don't buy the whole argument that he lost his right tackle. So if that's the case, why oh, did come on? Why no, have he's why, one of the best in the league? Why uh, so? Why don't a right tackle go first every year? Because it's that important. You mean to tell me a right tackle is more important nowadays? A right tackle, yeah, absolutely. A person Just that a, doesn't touch the ball. I think for this <laughs> team, on, I think I think for this team and their running game, it's important. I, I think that is the case because you started to see them actually that second Giants game. When he came back, and you saw them, he he and uh, uh, how many drop picks they had in that second Giants game? We can uh, we can flip that two, on a lot three. of guys this year. We can we can actually talk about the rookie of the year this right. year. But I'm saying I'm, I'm making a point there. Right tackle guys, like uh, 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 we having a right tackle discussion. Was the right tackle? It's not. The- it's not like just a right tackle. It's one of the best in the league. It makes a difference. Tyron I- Smith missed half the season with Dallas. A left tackle. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so okay. Here's 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 the difference. Right, here's the difference. That's actually a weapon in Philadelphia. Do you realize what he was throwing to last? How year? many touchdowns he had last year? Who's that? Prescott? No, no, no. Lane Johnson. Zero. How many sacks he had? Zero. 
Whoa. I'm saying it matters when you don't have weapons. If you're, if you're, it's to protect whoa, 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 the quarterback. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time, time out, time out, time out. Oh, my God. Let, don't let, even tell no, me. No, no, let's, let's kill that. Think. Let's kill that. The tight ends. Ertz, Selleck. Ertz has not produced anything oh, until December in a non- Oh, well, my God. Here's the what thing. is it with well, you guys? It takes well, two no, tangles no, no, no. and three with, to jump rope. Like With <laughs> Ertz, with Ertz you, have to re- and you have to look at the tight end position. That that position in relation to the quarterback is one of the highest chemistry type of uh, positions where it has to happen. And I, right? I agree with Nick that. Nick Foles, one year, towards the end of the year, production. Nick Foles is gone. Sam Bradford, one year, towards the end of the year, production. Sam Bradford's gone. Carson Wentz, one year, towards the end of the year, production. And what was the thing? And, and you could listen to all the press conferences because – Darn near every time I was talking to Carson Wentz or Zach Ertz, I was asking them how that chemistry was going because I know once it started to click, you were going to see what you saw with Zach Ertz towards the end of the season. So, yeah, it's easy to say, oh, well, he only produces at the end of the season. But you have to look at bigger picture, and you have to understand that the passing game, especially tight ends, running a wide stick, the choice routes and those type of things where, you know, the quarterback has to know, okay, if that guy's outside, he is going to break inside. I could trust that and throw it there knowing that he's going to go there. If you don't have that relationship and that understanding, it's not going to work. And that's why Zach Ertz, you see him getting better as you go on in the season. I totally understand all that. But if you're saying that like that is an, an even that was good enough to win and and be a playoff team, I I don't know. Like it's, it's throwing Zachary- the ball to Darren Sproles out of the backfield. Man, yeah, I I guess. I well, mean, but Donovan McNabb didn't even like you know. Oh, I mean, his first year starting, he had five year uh, five games in. Well, he had a bunch Donovan, of other stuff there going in there. Let's talk about Donovan McNabb. You know, we're talking about. I think that rookie year it was Torrance Small and Charles Johnson. Yeah, nothing, nothing going on. Shout there. out to Torrance Small. He played with the Saints. But guess, but guess what he did have? He had a freaking right and left tackle. He had a, he had a running game. Brian Westbrook. He had Deuce Staley. He had all that other stuff that was happening there. Deuce came saying. came after him. But here's here's, here's what here's what here's the thing I'll say too. Uh, you know what was going on in the first three weeks outside of just dinking and dunking? They allowed Carson Wentz to be Carson Wentz, which utilized yes. his mobility. Mm-hmm. If they try, when they, you know, and you see, you saw this happen in the Super Bowl, which is why the Falcons lost. They wanted Matt Ryan to be the hero. They wanted Matt Ryan to be the story and to be the champion. The league would have gave him the MVP anyway. Just run the ball, do what you got to do. But with Carson Wentz, Stop trying to make him be Donovan McNabb. Stop trying to make him be Sonny Jurgensen or Ron Jaworski. Allow him to be Carson Wentz. I said the same thing on record about Tannehill. If they just allow him to utilize his athleticism and don't try to make him be Dan Marino where he's going to get into trouble and throw the ball 40 times a game, why are you having Carson Wentz in that Cincinnati game throwing the ball that many times? When have you seen him throw that football that many times in college? <laughs> Never. But they, again, there was no. Oh man, we're just going to go circle. They didn't. They there didn't was no commit steady to running the game. Football. There's no. There is. There is. There's all of that in there. Well, they I don't didn't commit to running it. When right. they committed to running it, they ran the ball with Smallwood. They ran the ball with Sproles. Yes. They ran the ball with Matthews. That's yes. how they won games. And Cleveland. Look Cleveland, at the Cleveland game. Injured. That's what I'm saying. Matthews injured. Smallwood injured. Then you're sticking in Byron Marshall. Then you're sticking in like all these other different guys that are coming in here for the last like. I think he was in there for the Cincinnati game. There was a lot of different shuffling that was going in. I'm just saying, I'm not, I don't want anybody to go, sorry, Wentz is the greatest quarterback of all time. It's not the point of this discussion either. I understand that. There's a lot to work on there. I, I just, I can't believe that something like that. And it's because, I mean, the Eagle, the Eagles bias that comes in through there with Dallas and that, that's going to be there. On the flip side, I think people are just go, 
There's a lot of people that are already anointing Dak Prescott and putting him up to next again in the same way because I love Dak Prescott. Unfortunately, he's just in the wrong jersey. And they're putting him to Ben Roethlisberger, Tom there's, Brady. There's numbers. people they're, anointing. Hey, they're doing this. They're doing the, what, they're doing what did Baldy? What did Baldy say about uh, 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 Carson Wentz? Oh, this guy is is Tom Brady pre snap. I'm just saying, people, <laughs> national media. And, and they're they already annoying Carson too. Wentz. No, I, and I'm just I'm I'm not annoyed that they're they're doing this with that. I'm not I'm saying I'm saying they're setting him up too because the moment that he doesn't have what he had last year, I honestly think that there will be some of those rookie missteps. Maybe there won't be, and he'll just continue on to be an awesome. But quarterback. he had that last year. He didn't have a left tackle. He played some without Tyron Smith. He played some without Des Bryant. Without he Dez. also didn't start the season with. Uh, did he? Did uh, is he have he a thousand his? yard rusher? He, did he start the season? Ezekiel Elliott? He started the season, yes, right? Of okay. Course. So he played without the left tackle. He played without one of the best receivers in the game. And played without one of the best left tackles in the game. And also, didn't he have some reshuffling up front, too? One of those guys got hurt, not just Tyron Smith. Guys. Also, I think it just happens to, you know, a lot of times when you look at Dak Prescott, it's just people want to say it was because of X, Y, and Z as if he wasn't making plays no, situationally. It's him. it's him, too. I'm just saying it's. What those- was Wentz's third down percentage? That's key. I can't even remember. It was the worst in the league. Third down options. Yeah, well, that's a good point too, BLG. What was third down options? I mean, who handles the ball every play? (laughs) Oh, the right tackle. I'm sorry. It's because he didn't have that right tackle. You're telling me that this is the whole thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, weapons don't matter. It does. Are you telling me this was the same thing? Oh, it's just the guys. You just said, Leo. How many how many touchdowns is right tackle? Hold on. Hold on. I I got it. I got it. Now we cooking with fist grease. What? What? Uh. This to Eagles team last year, 2015 was what, 79? Yes. And I was at that Saints game um, when they just lit up that Saints defense, by the way. Uh, Delvin Bro had the pick, but after that, it all collapsed. Um, like, nah, I'm not going to beat you, but it all collapsed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, the same weapons they had when they put up good numbers were, were the same weapons they had this year, right? Or this past season, right? I mean, I guess. That was a, yeah, that, I, like I, not every defense is the Saints and like awful and the worst in the league every week. Yes, I yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I don't think we're gonna. So have they any. played the Saints sixteen times in a row. The Eagles were good last year uh, in two thousand fifteen. No, they, they, they weren't. Were, they, they were okay. They weren't. Good. No, they were bad. Two thousand fifteen chips last year. They got fired. Their offense is like they're it's like below average. What the record was in two thousand fifteen? Seven and nine. What the record was last year? Seven and nine. All right. Because it was shuffling, <laughs> they they got they gutted their entire secondary. It was it. That was gone. There are no more corners. They've had different starting. You lucky we don't have internet years. in this building right now, so I can pull up those statistics. Where's the stat guys in this place to come and say like, listen, offensively, here's what they were in 2015, and here's what they were in 2016. The Eagles are not I have that it right bad. Here. Let me pull it up. What? Well, one more time, BLG. I said I have it right Let's here. Give me a up. second. I'll pull it up. Oh, okay, my good. man. <laughs> but that's I, I I just it's a it's a completely different. Coach, uh, the uh, coaching tree. It's a completely different secondary. It's a completely different, other than Jordan Matthews and Nelson Aguilar, which weren't great the and previous Zach year. Ertz. Before you had, to, I mean, the same thing that happened with, you know, I, it, uh, Bradford. I guess. I mean, Miles Austin was here. I can't even remember who Were the, the tight ends here. Ever. Zach Ertz was here. Yes, Selleck, Selleck was here. Was, yes. a, was that right tackle here too? Lane Johnson. Yes. Okay. Because, you know, I want to make sure the right tackle was in place last year. <laughs> oh my God. The right guard wasn't. Shout out to my man, Brandon Brooks. Is <laughs> he still right. playing? Yeah. Brandon Brooks? Yeah. What are you talking about? 
joking, guys. Come man, on now. Joking. <laughs> uh, he, Brandon Brooks loves Wawa, man. That's you know, <laughs> who that's, doesn't, that's man. Funny, who man. doesn't love Wawa? <laughs> PLG, you got him for us. No, I don't. Oh, so his internet that. broke. Man, get me out of the studio. Man. His internet broke too. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we'll, I, we'll we'll save all that for another debate because I'm I'm sure this will kind of continue in through the summer as we'll bring Emery and a bunch of other guys here. And I think we've been yelling for a good thirty minutes. And, uh, and I don't even think discussion. we stayed on. Uh, I don't. I forgot what was the Kaiser versus Went. Oh, oh Kaiser I, Wentz. I forgot yeah, the yeah. that original. Was the original yeah. I knew that was going to break into all like, this huh? other stuff. So I was like, all right, let's go into there. Uh, BLG, I'm sorry. You know we're uh, we're actually uh, Emery couldn't hear you for some reason, so we're trying to uh, uh, go back and forth with that. But I will leave you with uh, parting shots, final thoughts, anything you'd like there, pal. Um, no, no final thoughts this week. <laughs> uh, Teron, your final thoughts here, pal. Oh man, final thought for me is just you know you have to remember that a guy like Donnell Prumphy, who isn't big is still capable of being productive so one of the things that i just always stick by is size is not a skill be careful of just judging a prospect by his size by his combine measurables there's a thing called football that these guys play shelton gibson's a good example of that as well so i think they had a a really good draft i think there's different ways that these guys are going to be able to come in and, and help the team and it's it's a good draft draft uh Hall this this year. Yeah, I think uh, I think overall it's it's, it's been great. And uh, Emory Hunt, uh, we'll we'll fight like brothers, but we'll hug like them at the end because he does great work over at Football Game Plan. Any final thoughts heading out here, sir? Yeah, first of all, appreciate you guys bringing me in and, and having me on. But final thought is this: Eagles draft. If anyone gives the Eagles less than an A, they're doing it wrong. And and I and I'm not saying that because I'm here, but I'm saying that because when I put out my draft grades, I always include the undrafted the eighth round mm-hmm. because that's a part of the draft class, especially nowadays when guys are really making a roster and, and making impacts. The undrafted hall of Greg Ward, Tyler Olofsky, Gerard Evans, Corey Clemens, Billy Brown, and Winston Craig, the defensive lineman from Richmond, that dude got great ball get off. In addition to what they did in the draft, this was a great draft for the Eagles. Yeah, we're really excited, I think, overall. I mean, the United we can we can nitpick a, a bunch about, you know, Hollins and those guys, but overall, I mean this is kind of what you expected. You saw Joe Douglas's fingerprints on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe a little more reserved in trusting him as opposed to being a little more aggressive. I would really like to know what what else they were trying to do there in that second round because there's Les Bowen and a bunch of other people had hinted at. Dalvin Cook was also going to be yeah, an opportunity for pick, and I know yeah. that they had some other running backs in mind, and they just kind of stayed put. And we're just gonna we're gonna go and and do this thing. I'm very sad that Cornell is not here. Uh, I, I <laughs> thought that was going to be. It's something phenomenal and really fun to watch in Philadelphia, but unfortunately, uh, he is uh, he's he's gone uh, elsewhere. I'm I'm excited to see where OJ Howard does in Tampa. I think that offense is ridiculous. <laughs> I think it's I think it's it's going to be one of the best in the league this year. But uh, I I will uh, yeah I I think that it, this is we just need to get to OTAs now, and this is that's the kind of the final hump. Uh, we'll have coverage on that, obviously, when Doug and Jim and everybody else uh, starts talking out there and we see shells and shorts and trying to get our first eye on this. And I want to thank everybody out there again for supporting us through this entire three-plus years. Like It is an amazing feeling to go to uh, you know, see that uh, the art museum all, all done up and then right there, there's the BGN radio logo next to everybody else. It's, it's kind of crazy that we were the first podcast to broadcast from the NFL draft, so... 
Uh, that's that doesn't happen without you guys, and I know me and BLG and James and Ben, who uh, by the way did the best job in the world those last two days, and then we threw him on the radio because my uh, my voice was literally done, uh, and he did a great job with his debut. So, with that being said, we want to thank everybody for listening to episode number two thirty five of BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. dot com.